0: Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Deuteronomy. And also, you want to turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6. I appreciate the opportunity. Sandy and I both uh, appreciate the opportunity and the honor to be with you all this morning. And uh, I know Pastor, when he asked if I would uh, preach a message, I said, I would be glad to honor my mother by preaching a Mother's Day message. And his response was, you said you were going to say that this morning, so I'm going to say it for you. He would honor his mother by not preaching a Mother's Day message this morning. <laughs> you've never heard me preach a Mother's <laughs> Day message. Before we get into the text, I wanted to share a few Mother's Day, uh, uh, well, Mother's Day illustration. I love, you know that you're like, a, I, you know you're a redneck win you know those type of things. Well, this is you know you're really a mom when you count the sprinkles on each kid's cupcake to make sure they're equal. Or you want to take out a contract on the kid who broke your child's favorite toy and make him or her cry. You know you're really a mom when you hide in the bathroom to be alone. Let that one sink in. You know you're a mom when you consider finger paint to be a controlled substance, (laughs) or you master the art of placing food on a plate without anything touching. You know you're really a mom when you hire a sitter because you haven't been out with your husband in ages, then spend half the night talking about and checking on the kids. You hope ketchup is a vegetable because it's the only one your child eats. <laughs> you know you're really a mother if you can't bear the chi- the thought of your son's first girlfriend or you hate the thought of his wife even more. You find yourself cutting your husband's sandwiches into unusual shapes. You obsess when your child clings to you upon the parting during his first month at school, then obsessed when he skips in without looking back the second time. And you can't bear to give away baby clothes. It's too final. You stop criticizing the way your mother raised you. (laughs) You read that the average five-year-old asks 437 questions a day and feel proud that your kid is above average. <laughs> you say at least once a day, I'm not cut out for this job, but you know you wouldn't trade it for anything. I don't know how many times our daughter is called and said, mom, she's raising one, he's two. How in the world did you raise four? That's not included in that, I was just explaining. And then the last one, your husband name suddenly changes to daddy because you're so used to calling him daddy to the kids and so you turn to him and say daddy i mean honey anyway a lot of fun stuff there was a lot of others but uh like i said i like to get into the word deuteronomy chapter 5 look at verse 16 if you would and then we're going to ephesians chapter 6 honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath, what's the next word? Say it out loud. Amen. Commanded thee. He didn't put down a request. It's a command that thy days may be prolonged and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Turn to Ephesians chapter six, children. Verse number one: Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long, on the earth. Father, we come before you. We ask for your direction. Thank you for the privilege and honor to get into your word this morning as we think about what's a mother to do, and uh, we ask Father that you would be honored and glorified, that you'd stir up hearts. Not only would each one of us remember who our mother is or, and, and what she was in our life. But may, we, may we be thankful for the concern and for the love of a mother and a father. May we be thankful that you placed us in the family that you put us in. I thank you for my mom and dad. Thank you for my mom being loving enough and concerned enough to ask me that question, Greg, are you really saved? I thank you for the example, and I thank you for the fun that we've had. And I just thank you for the privilege it is to honor them this morning and honor my mom as well. In Jesus' name, amen. I have to tell you that we were in Wichita, Kansas just a couple of weeks ago, and I wanted to go see my mom. And there was concern because of the virus, you know, wearing the mask and everything. So I got to tell you what I did, and you may not think it's funny, I think it's hilarious. And my mom loved it. I not only wore a mask that our, my sister, just a year younger than I am, I won't tell you her age, but I'm 66. And, um, but I'll tell you this, she made masks for us. And then a friend of mine gave me a disposable hazmat suit. So I put it on with my mask, put my hat, my cowboy hat on, on top of it, and walked in and said, hi, mom. She didn't even have a mask on, you know, but we had a great time. I like having fun. But in today's world, society seems to have lost the understanding of really what a mother's role really is. Certain segments of our society seem to be actively rewriting what we have known as the traditional American home. We need to get back to the old landmarks. We need to get back to remembering how God established it, how he made it. There are other segments of our society that are desperately trying to stop the destruction of the home, and I believe for a good reason. I love what was uh, written in a book by Noah Webster called A Manual of Useful Studies back in 1839. That was before my time, but you may ask your pastor about it. Uh, He said this, In the family are formed the elements of civil governments. The family discipline is the model of all social order. The respect for the law and the magistrate begins in the respect for parents. Families are the nurseries of good and bad citizens. The parent who neglects to restrain and govern his child or who by his example corrupts him is the enemy of the community to which he or she belongs. The parent who instructs his child or her child in good principles and subjects them to correct discipline is the guardian angel of his child or her child and the best benefactor of society, end of quote. I believe he had some truth in that statement. I love what a teacher did one time when she gave her class of second graders a lesson on a magnet that they were making and, and uh, talking about the lesson of what a magnet does. And the next day in a written test, she included this question. My name has six letters. The first one is M. Her intention was that they write magnet. It says, I pick up things. What am I? When the test papers were turned in, the teacher was astonished to find that almost 50% of those students answered the question with, mother. See a good mother loves her family and provides an atmosphere where each member can find acceptance, security and understanding. She is there when the children need a listening ear, a comforting word, a warm hug or a loving touch on a fevered brow and for the christian mother her greatest joy is teaching her children to trust and to love jesus christ as their lord and savior i love the description that is given of the virtuous woman in proverbs 31 what an amazing responsibility our mothers carry and yet what an honor they consider it to be a mother A study once disclosed that if both mom and dad attend church regularly 72% of their children remain faithful in attendance if only dad attends regularly 55% remain faithful if only mom attends regularly 15% remain faithful and if neither attend regularly only 6% remain faithful God knew what he was doing when he established the family God knew what he was doing when he gave the responsibility, and we we won't take time to go through all of it, but we are to train up our children in the way that they should go. That when they are old, they'll not depart from it. It doesn't mean that they won't keep doing it. It means they'll never forget what they were being taught. And I'm so thankful for my wife as she did teach our kids many things. Now she taught them some honorary things too. But for the sake of being able to stay alive, I won't get into those. But motherhood is a great honor bestowed upon a woman to bring life into the world. So the question is, what is a mother to do? Well according to the Word of God, she is to love her children. I always think of Jochebed, Moses' mother. You can read it over in Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And even though the decree had come that all the children be killed, she cared for her son so much that she put him in a basket and had him hidden in the bulrushes. And by the providence of God, God worked it out so Pharaoh's daughter, they would, they would find him. And, and when they, <laughs> I love this, nothing happens by accident with God. So when, when Pharaoh's daughter had that basket and saw Moses in there, she inquired, knowing this was a little Jewish boy, required, uh, re, uh, inquired about someone to take care of. Isn't it interesting that Jochebed's name came up? There's someone that can do it. They didn't know that she was a mother, but God did. And God gave her the honor and the opportunity under Pharaoh's house and in in his palace to be able to teach her son about God. She instilled and laid in him the foundation of God. Moms, I'm going to tell you, that's a great honor to be able to to lay that foundation in their lives. (laughs) I remember a comedian said this one time, he says, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. Now, we don't laugh at that or do laugh at it, but I'm going to tell you it's a biblical principle. If we want to live long, we honor our parents. Because they might take us out. In Titus chapter 2, look at this. Turn over there if you would. Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And I've got to hurry. I've got about 10 pages of notes I need to get through. I'm already on page (laughs) 3. But I love what it says in Titus. You know, we've missed the boat in this, and I've probably mentioned this before because this has been heavy on my heart. And even as a pastor, it was heavy on my heart that too many times we take so much time complaining about the young people today. We complain about the lack of discipline. We complain about the lack of respect. And yet, within the local church, there's a responsibility given to the aged of the church to invest themselves in the lives of the young people yeah. it says in verse 3 of chapter 2 of Titus the aged women likewise that they be in behavior as become with holiness not false accusers not given too much wine teachers of good things that they may teach the young women to be sober to love their husbands to love their children I'm going to say this very kindly and 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 I'm not trying to make enemies but you know even as a as a father as a husband And a wife or a mother, if we spend time complaining about our husband or wife, as the case may be, and we complain and don't show respect, then how in the world would we expect our children to respect? They're going to follow our example. That's why within the local church, there needs to be examples for the young people to follow. There needs to be examples within the home, but within the church. And and you know, there should be good godly heroes for our kids to look up to. Not the heroes of this world, but the heroes that are found within the local church. Those who are walking a life of holiness. Those who are truly loving God. And those who display in their life their love for the Lord. Not because they say so, but because they do so. You know, phileo love is a good love, but agapon love is the best love there is. Yeah. And when we allow God to love through us to our kids and, and to our husband or wife and, and to others around us, we teach them the picture of God's love. The Bible tells, if I remember in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If I understand the Word of God correctly, God's love was so strong from the beginning of time that he loved Adam and Eve, and he didn't destroy them, but he loved them, and He shed the first blood for them. He put them outside of the garden for their own benefit, but his hand was still upon them, and they loved God and taught that to their boys, taught that to their family. I'm telling you, we can look at the example as we go down through the word of God of the love of mothers. I believe Eve loved her children. Well, we really kick Eve to the curb sometimes, but I'm gonna tell you, it was Adam who was responsible. I can get into the weaker vessels and the role of leadership. That's not my message today. But I think we've gotta get back, as I said, to the landmarks of the, old, of the Word of God. We got to get back to the way God said to do it. I know we've got a lot of new ways and there are some things that are good, but you can't improve upon God and what his word says. So a mother needs to love her children. I've watched as we've been a few days in our daughter's home and watched this thing comes running, Mommy, mommy, mommy. And she, and he runs to his mom and she doesn't just throw him to the side. She reaches down and wraps her arms around him and loves him and loves on him. I'm telling you, it's, there's nothing better than a mother's love. Secondly, according to the Word of God, a mother needs to teach her children. Just turn to Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 8, if you would. Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 8. We'll just look at it. There's, there's so many. There's 14 times in Proverbs that it talks about responsibility of teaching and listening in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 8 my son hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother first time I read that I thought about that if you want to live long on the earth you don't forsake the law of your mother I can tell you some true stories today about my mom and uh, but because I want her to still love me I won't um But in chapter six also it says this. In chapter six, verse number twenty it says this, my son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. It is important that we understand that we teach our children. Listen, I'm thankful for my wife. She, uh, we listened the other night as our, even passed on to our daughter, but we listened to our two-year-old grandson as he's playing hide-and-seek with his grandmother, which is our son-in-law's parents uh, and, and mother. And, she, and he was counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then he wait, didn't wait for 10. He was on the run trying to find where she was hidden. But I thought, two years old, and he's already counting. Two years old, and this morning he was asking Callaway, twinkle, twinkle little star? She turned on her piano and went over and began to play, and he was beside her. Now, he wasn't playing the right notes, but he's playing right along with her. You know, taking time to teach. I love what's said to Timothy when Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 17, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. We need to have that teaching and, and that raising up in the scriptures and, and helping them to learn. The, Mother, I'm going to tell you, your job is not any less important because you're in the home. Amen. As a matter of fact, it's vitally important because you've got a great opportunity to form and to shape those kids. And the first five years, their character will be formed and shaped in their life. Amen. It's important. I'm telling you, it's it's important to have a love and, and to take seriously that responsibility that God has given and to remember that what you teach them, they will remember. If, we teach them, if you teach them the truth, they'll remember the truth. If you teach them lies, guess what they're going to remember. And to live that example in front of them, I'll get to that in just a moment. Number three, oh, got to hurry. A mother needs to correct her children. In Proverbs 29, 15, it says this, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. There's nothing more discouraging than being in Walmart or being in the grocery store and hear some kid cursing his mother, showing a lack of respect, And then trying to give him a little time out. And I think that the hand of education ought to be applied to the seat of knowledge and help that child to know what he's doing is wrong behavior. (laughs) Okay, I'll tell this one story on my mom. You know, I had a little bit of rebellion in my life, but as I said before, it's because of my sisters. Um... (laughs) And I know they're possibly listening this morning. They were here one time when Kelleway got married three years ago. And, uh, but, uh, I remember I I got a little rebellious and I decided I was going to leave home. And so I run off from the house and I took off down our half mile lane. And then I remembered, oops, I forgot to get any food. I forgot to grab an extra pair of jeans and, you know, a jacket or something. So I, we had this big old grain bin that was right just before you got down to the curve to go to the rest of the lane, here was this grain bin. And so I thought I'll hide behind there. And when it gets dark, I'll sneak back into the house and I will get what I need and I'm going to take off. I'm tired of this. And about that time I heard feet crunching on the gravel of our half mile lane. I thought, oh no, sure enough, it was mom. And she walked by and she was carrying a buggy whip and I thought, okay, we'll be real quiet and I'll sneak around and would, and my allergies flared up and I sneezed. I would almost swear that there was fire coming out of her eyes when she turned around. But she told me to run back to the house. Well, my rebellion said, I'm not going to do that. Now, we laugh about it now, but it was no laughing matter then. And so I showed her I wasn't going to run. And I walked and she whipped my legs all the way back to the house. I never ran away again. <laughs> I learned by her reaction. Now, we, I remember what she used to say. I didn't do that. Thankfully, my sisters jumped in and says, yes, you did. But I'm going to say that there needs to be some correction today. We, the reason we're having the problems today is because parents didn't care enough to discipline their children. You say, I don't agree with that. Well, stacked up against the Word of God, you would be wrong. Because God says not to withhold it, to administer it. But not to administer it in anger, to administer it in love. So mothers, oh, and don't do this wait till your daddy gets home just go ahead and flail on them just give it to them make them bend over and grab their ankles so they really feel it I don't know which one of our kids did it but some one of them stuffed Kleenexes down in their jeans I was one of the boys and thought they were gonna get by with it didn't work mom discovered it so number four what's a mother to do she needs to have compassion Compassion is an outpouring of biblical love, godly love. You know, in Isaiah 49, I, verse 15, Isaiah wrote this. He said, "Can a man forget her? Uh, can a woman forget her sucking child? That she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee." There's something about that bond of that child. Nursing and being close to mom. There's something about being laid on the the breast and the chest of their mom once they're born uh, uh, There's something about that closeness of holding them and and keeping them we should always remember that bond that we have and The respect that we have for the one who brought us into this world You're correct the not for my mother I wouldn't be here. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that when I was rebellious, rebellious, they didn't just kick me out of the door and say, "Don't come back." I've got a friend of mine at 14 that was that was kicked out of the house. He's been cowboying ever since. Went to a rancher and began working for a rancher when he's 14 years old, and now he's in his um, I'm going to guess mid to late 70s. But he loves the Lord but he was thrust out we have a lot of homeless kids today because they've been kicked out of the house I even heard a man who was a friend of mine that says when his kids were rebelling that he told them to leave and not let the door hit them when they went out and don't come back until you get your life right and you know what I find I find that God wants us to come back to him even when we aren't right because he's the only one who can make it right but they still need that love they need that compassion for us to show them and to love upon them when i think about the compassion i think about luke chapter 17 with that prodigal son who who left and went out on his own and took his inheritance and wasted it all and then found himself when all of his friends were gone and, and all the money was gone and the famine came into the land he found himself feeding hogs out in the field and, and he was so hungry and, and so at the bottom of the barrel of his life that he got to thinking you know when, as he wanted to even eat the husk that the hogs were eating he got to thinking the, the servants in my father's house do a lot better than this. So I'll just go home and tell my father I'm not worthy to be his son. I'll just be a servant. Then we switch the scene on life's camera there and we see a father from the day that his son left when he tried to keep him home that he's been watching for his son's return. And that day came when he saw that figure coming down the road. Probably some dust stirring from the foot feet from the fall of the, foot, of the feet on the, on the road and said, that's my son. He didn't wait there and say he needs to be humbled. No, he ran and fell upon his neck with compassion and kissed him and welcomed him home. The greatest of that story, he put a robe on his back, put the rings on his hand, called for the fatted calf. But the one that really stands out to me is when he put the shoes on his feet because according to their custom, when the shoes are put on the feet, they are restored back into the family. That's what God wants to do to us. That's what he wants to do in a family. He, wants, he has compassion for us. We find also that a mother will comfort her children. I think about that comfort and and I just want to say that in, in essence, a mother is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Ladies, if you'd like to find your best duties in life, just find what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. He comforts, so does a mother and a wife. He teaches, so does a mom. He instructs, so does a mother. He leads and guides, so does a mother. You think of all the ministries the Holy Spirit has in the world. He is the unseen one and many times so is the mother. He is the one who gives others all the attention. So does the mother. I want you to know that because of that correlation is vitally important, moms, that you know the Lord. That you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. That you've been born again and you're part of God's family because the Holy Spirit then lives in you. And, and you have that, that help from God to do that which he has given you to do. And to cradle those kids and to love on them. And, and to give them direction. To help them to know as they memorize scripture. My wife, I loved it. Whenever they got in trouble, she gave them a scripture to memorize so they could remember what they had done wrong and remember what God had to say about it. (laughs) I remember times that I'd come home from the office studying, getting ready for the services on Wednesday and Sunday, and I remember particular times that I'd come in the back door and she'd be standing there waiting with Clay or Boone. Those were the two rowdiest ones they took after their dad. It's okay, honey. You can say amen. But she was waiting there, holding them, and as soon as I walked in the door, I didn't even get set things down. She goes, Here, it's your turn. And so I gladly did it. And she retreated, maybe to take a bath or to get alone in the bathroom. Just to get away from it. I remember one time that that I came home uh, to to have prayer and devotion with the family and, and it was on a Sunday morning and and I walked in, and three of the kids, the three oldest kids, Boone and Tandelin and Clay, were sitting over on this side of the table, and Callaway was over on this side of the table, the youngest one. She was just crying. And I went over, and I said, honey, what's wrong? And I picked her up, and the kids all hollered out and said, she has head lice. I went, <laughs> Now, we got it taken care of. <laughs> we know it was the neighbor's kid that gave it to him. But I'm just saying that there are those times that it's not that you're not loving them, but there are those times when you've just got to reach beyond that and say, you know, I love you anyway. And the mom has a great honor and responsibility. A couple of more and then I'll be done. I believe that a mom gets to commit her children to the Lord. When you get home, read First Samuel chapter 1 and read about Hannah. God gave her a promise she was going to have a child. She prayed for a child. And God gave her a man-child. God gave her Samuel. You oh, know, she committed him to the Lord. And she lent him to the Lord. She prayed for him. And she prayed for his life. And she prayed that her heart and life would be enlarged because of God's salvation. We need to learn to commit our children to the Lord. I always love when a couple who really means business with God wanted to dedicate their baby to the Lord. It didn't give them salvation. It simply means that they were committing to dedicate themselves to teach that child about the Lord, but they were giving that child into God's hands. That's what we need to do. And pray for them. I've listened many times to my, my wife and there have been many times that she and I together have wept over our children. We need to pray for them every day. Pray for God's guidance. Pray they'll listen to God. Pray they'll do what God wants them to do. I know my mom prayed for me. Amen. I know my mother-in-law prayed for me. I know she was a wise woman because she chose me for her daughter before her daughter ever met me. That will sink in later on. You'll get that one. But here's the last thing. A mother needs to live her faith in God before her children. Don't just tell them what to do. Show them what to do. She needs to be saved and she needs to live a godly life. Her love for the Lord will be seen in that life that she lives and she will strive to walk under the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God in her life. It's not about what she wants. It's about what God wants in her kids and in her family. I love what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Turn over there if you would and read it with me because it's such a great testimony for Timothy and such an affirmation of what he had been taught that he was taught the scriptures as we saw uh, in 2 uh, Timothy just a moment ago. But in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, one through, verses 1 through 5, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly de- desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which, first dwelt, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also." The example that was given to him, not only from his grandmother who passed it on to his mother, but they joined together to pass it on to Timothy. And the message they gave him was to follow the Lord and to live for him. And they just didn't tell him to do it, but they were the example for him to follow. Listen, it's time we stop telling other people what to do and we show them what to do by the life we live. We should never have to tell somebody we're a Christian. They ought to see it by the way we live. They ought to see it by the way we talk. We wonder why some people aren't interested in Jesus. I can tell you. Because God's kids aren't acting like they're God's kids. We need to live in a way that others will say, Hey, I don't know what's, what you've got, but I need what you've got. I had a friend of mine that uh, was over a, a, a clothing store down in the Denver area. And he had a young man that was working for him and the young man told him, he says, Mr. Riley, can I, can I talk to you after we close the doors, after the store closes tonight? And he said, sure. And you know how thoughts get to going in our minds. He began to wonder and thought, now I've trained this kid, I bet he gotten a better offer from somebody else and he's gonna tell me that he's quitting. So they sat down, the time came, they sat down in the office and Brother Riley sat on one side of his, on his side of the desk and the young man sat in the chair across from him and he said, what can I do for you? And this young man looked at him and says, Mr. Riley, he says, I've been watching you and I don't know what it is that you have in your life, but whatever it is, I want it. And he got to lead him to the Lord that night in his office. That's an example that has gone on both sides of the gender as far as men and women, fathers and mothers and employees and employers. They've had the opportunity to be a witness because they live a life that's a testimony to others. We are, I I think, compelled to be thankful for those who would show us how to love the Lord and how to walk with him I want to close with a part of a speech it's a 16 page speech but I'm not reading that much on June 8th of 1925 was a gathering in the Norwegian Centennial for the Norwegians in Minnesota and President Calvin Coolidge made a statement that I think is very important I quote and his continuation of the speech before, and it's coming to the close of the speech. He says, although this movement of people originated in Norway, in its essence and its meaning, it is peculiarly American. Has nothing, it has nothing about it of class or caste. It has no tinge of aristocracy. It, ha- it was not produced to the leadership of some great figure It is represented almost entirely by that stalwart strain who make the final decisions in this world which we designate the common people. It has about it the strength of the home and the fireside, the family ties of the father and mother, the children and the kindred, It has all been carried on very close to the soil. It has all been extremely human. When I consider the marvelous results it has accomplished, I cannot but believe that it was inspired by a higher power. And we know who that higher power is. It's God. That was my insert, not what he said. Here is something vital, firm, and abiding, which I can only describe as a great reality. An enormous power has come to you, but you are charged with equally enormous responsibilities, those responsibilities you have never failed to meet, that power you have never failed to sanctify. Therein lies the sole title to all the glory you have achieved in the past, and therein will lie, to, uh, lie the sole title to all the glory that you will achieve in the future. Believing that there resides an enlightened people, an all-compelling force for righteousness. I have every faith that through the vigorous performance of your duties, you will add new luster to your glory in the days to come. Our America, with all that it represents of hope in the world, is now and will be what you make it. Its institutions of religious liberty, of educational and economic opportunity, of constitutional rights, of the integrity of the law, are the most precious possessions of the human race. These do not emanate from the government. Their abiding place is with the people. They come from the consecration of the father, the love of the mother, and the devotion of the children. They are the product of that honest, earnest, and tireless effort that goes into the rearing of the family altar and the making of the home of our country. They can have no stronger supporters, no more loyal defenders, than that great body of our citizenship which you represent. When I look upon you and realize what you are and what you have done, I know that in your hands our country is is secure. You have laid up your treasure in what America represents and there will your heart be also. You have given your pledge to the land of the free. The pledge of the Norwegian people has never yet gone unredeemed. I think we need to remember that as parents, as the child of God, we have a great responsibility, not just as Americans, but as God's child to pass on what God has given us in his word, to establish it in the altars of our homes, to put it in the hearts of our kids, to be an example to our nation of what it's really like to walk with God. So that they might desire to have the same thing in their lives. There's no known author to the reflections of a mother. She said, I gave, gave you life, but cannot live it for you. I can teach you things, but I cannot make you learn. I can give you directions, but I cannot be there to lead you. I can allow you freedom but I cannot account for it. I can take you to church, but I cannot make you believe. I can teach you right from wrong, but I cannot always decide for you. I can buy you some beautiful clothes, but I cannot make you beautiful inside. I can offer you advice, but I cannot accept it for you. I can give you love, but I cannot force it upon you. I can teach you to share, but I cannot make you unselfish. I can teach you respect, but I cannot force you to show honor. I can advise you about friends but cannot choose them for you. I I can advise you about your body, but I cannot keep you pure. I can tell you the facts of life, but I can't build your reputation. I can tell you about drink, but I cannot say no for you. I can warn you about drugs but I can't prevent you from using them. I can tell you about lofty goals, but I can't achieve them for you. I can teach you about kindness, but I can't force you to be gracious. I can warn you about sins, but I cannot make you moral. I can pray for you, but I cannot make you walk with God. I can tell you how to live, but I cannot give you eternal life. I can love you with unconditional love all of my life, and I will. And when I read those things, I think that's exactly what God does in our life. He can tell us about it, but He doesn't make us do it. It's up to us to decide what our mothers taught us, what our fathers taught us, what our preacher, what, our, what we learn in our church. We can learn all those things, but until we apply it in our life, it doesn't do us any good. I encourage you today, be thankful for a godly mother. Be thankful for a godly father. And dads, I'm going to tell you, I know that you're going to get yours in June. But we all are responsible for what we do with what God gives us. And we are responsible for leading our family so that God is honored. And they see God in us. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. I want to encourage you... I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe you don't know the Lord. That's the first step. The first step is getting things taken care of with the Lord. You need to get saved if you're not born again. That's the first step. But then the next thing is, is what are you doing with your life? Are you honoring God? Hey, listen, I've met a lot of moms and dads who claim they're living for the Lord, but their life doesn't back up what they're saying. If there's some things in your life that are not right with God, I encourage you to get them right today. Get them taken care of today. Come and confess it before the Lord. God's waiting for you. He's just waiting for you to move. He wants to meet you here at the altar or right there where you're at. You just need Jesus. And once you've got Jesus, you need to make sure he's in control. And if you don't let God have control, he's not going to force himself upon you. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands today, but I do want to invite you while I pray to come and meet with God and take care of some things today in your life. Would you stand with me? Let's have a word of prayer. And then I'll turn it over to the pastor. Would you come while I pray?